Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. On this podcast, we'll be talking about life and kayak fishing. Every week, we'll have a special guest, whether it's a tournament angler, a content creator, or just a regular guy or girl who just loves to go kayak fishing. So grab a cold beer, sit back, and enjoy the show. Bass Kayak and Beers is sponsored in part by Douglas Rod. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup and locate your nearest authorized dealer. Yeah, Gadget, made in America, based outside of nashville tennessee yak gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories quick mount motor mounts anchor systems track monitored accessories even paddles go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water the 153 bay company based in troy ohio make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits hook them hard and hook them off all of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order so go to the 153anglers.com to place your order today What's going on, everyone? Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Today, as always, we have a special guest. It's going to be Mr. Josh Eldridge, a.k.a. Trash Panda. He's going to be joining us. But before we get into that episode, just a couple of quick announcements. Uh, for As far as my sponsor for this podcast, Douglas, most of you know, Douglas is my personal sponsor for the podcast. Um, and I've worked with him as a field pro for almost a year now. We finally have a Douglas authorized dealer in Texas, which is what we were trying to do. Um, for those of that live here in Texas, some of my Texas peeps that listen to my podcasts, if you live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, if you happen to be in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, go check out Fun and Sun Boat and Tackle. Uh, not only are they one of the biggest uh, kind of independent uh, uh, boat dealers out there, they also have a phenomenal tackle shop. It's run by Grant, a young man, 
that does a great job with customer service and, and great knowledge. You can go up to him and ask him anything about fishing and don't be fooled by his baby face. The guy knows a lot about tackle and fishing per se. So Fun and Sun Tackle, newest authorized dealer or the first authorized dealers for Douglas Rods here in Dallas or in Texas, to be honest. So go check him out, Fun and Sun Tackle. You can also buy him online at Fun and Sun Tackle's website. So again, thank you for listening. My special guest, Mr. Josh Eldridge. What's up, buddy? AKA Trash Panda. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, doing good. How how are things going in Texas? Pretty good, man. After that crazy well, crazy for us, that crazy winter storm. Things are kind of back to normal now. Fishing is on fire. I have not been able to fish or put any content on my Instagram or my Facebook because uh my little Hobie Outback um got a little crack on the scupper hole yeah so but i'm a big hobie fan they actually um i filed a claim with my local dealer anglers pro right here in north Richland hills for those that live in texas go check out um rick is the owner pro anglers um kayak shop uh and tackle shop as well um he sent in the claim immediately Hobie answered back the email, says, yes, we'll honor it. We'll honor the, the little crack. It wasn't a big crack. I noticed it fishing in the Bassmasters at Lake Fork, man. When I got out of the water, I was like, this thing is heavy. Yeah. So, you know, thank you, Hobie, for honoring your warranty and setting me up with a new kayak. Which, by the way, I am driving on Thursday to get a Hobie Pro Angler, which is something that I wanted to do anyways. I wanted the 360 drive. I was eyeing that. Um, so financially, things align that I'm going to be able to get a Hobie Pro Angler 360. Nowhere here in Texas, or even close to Texas, can I find one. Um, I even went as far down as Louisiana. Couldn't find a dealer over there. Went up to Oklahoma. I finally found a dealer. In Conway, Arkansas. So Thursday, I'm going to get up before dawn and drive five hours to yeah. pick up my Hobie Pro Angler 360 and get, drive it back. 14 or 12 foot? 14. It's funny. Nice. I, You know, it's curious. I wonder how long it's going to be before Hobie drops the PA-12. Because every single kayak shop that I've gone have told me we ran out of the pa 14, it's 360, but we have three or four PA-12s if you're interested. The 360 drive. Yeah. So I think it's only a matter of time before they drop. Because it's not that big of a difference in price. When you look at it, it's like, yeah, it's not that big of a difference. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming with the Outback being a 12-foot long and being the best, from what I understand, the best kayak as far as sales go, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming the PA-12 is... I'm probably going to probably get rid of that and just stick with the PA-14. I mean, their back order on PA-14s, the 360 drive, it's crazy, man. You can't find him anywhere. Anywhere. It's getting to be like that with a lot of these boat manufacturers, man. <clears throat> yeah. We just I just found out the shop uh, that I represent, Loveland Canoe and Kayak, is not going to be able to carry the Kilroy HD which is the boat that I requested to get because I can put a second seat in there for the kids. Nice. So I'm like, oh, you guys can't get it. And he's like, nope. So now I'm kind of scrambling around. 
trying to figure out what shops have them. And it's kind of a, it's a pretty cool kayak. I don't, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like a hybrid of a, a sit inside and a sit on top and um, super wide. Um, it's like 36 inches long, 13 feet long or 36 inches wide, 13 feet long. It's super stable, but it's got enough room that I can actually strap in a second Jackson seat and put the kids up front and they both can, they're both small enough right now that they can both actually sit side by side in it. So I'm kind of bummed out about that, but it's, it is what it is, right? It's only going to last you a couple of years before you know how to get three kayaks, one for you and one for each of the kids. So right. <laughs> that yeah. goes by fast. Yeah, it does. I got a, my, one of my best friends just told me yesterday that um, he's having his first son and he, he's a huge mountain biking enthusiast. So, so man, you're going to have to get him a mountain bike. But I think like, man, they're so expensive, like the real good ones. And he's only mm-hmm. going to be using it for a couple of years before he outgrows it. And then you got to yeah. get another one. Then another one's like a, three mountain bikes back to back to back. Right. Because kids right. grow up so fast. Right. You don't need to tell me that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> How are the kids, by the way? They're doing good, doing good, man. Uh, Zachary's getting ready to start kindergarten this fall, so nice. He's getting ready to transition to a different daycare uh, that's a little bit closer to where he can be dropped off, you know, after school and before school. But and Colin will be going over there too. Um, that way, we're not driving all over the town trying to pick him up from school and everything. But they're both doing good, man. Um, they're excited that the weather's warming up here. Finally, we've been hitting up the parks and hanging out, That's eating, cool, don- eating donuts in the back of the truck. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the pictures. Now, um, is the other one, is he on spring break right now? When is spring break? Where you at? Uh, next week. Oh, okay. And um, he, he's it. So Zachary could have started kindergarten. He's five. But we held him back last year because he's kind of small. Both my kids are on the short side. So I wanted to give him like another ye- year to grow. And his birthday, both of their birthdays are like right before the school year started. And I was yeah. the same way growing up. And I couldn't stand it because I was the last one to do everything. Like I was the last one to get my license, you know, last one to turn 18 and all that jazz. So I just, I asked, you know, the ex-wife, if she wanted to hold him back um, just for the year, which I'm really glad that we did because of it ended up being a blessing in disguise yeah. because of COVID. So I don't know how much time he would actually spent in school. So yeah, it would have been kind of like a mute point, anyways. <laughs> yeah, That's right. Cool. I mean, kindergarten virtual learning. I don't know how well that would have worked. So. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> It's crazy. But I mean, that's cool, man. Uh, spring break was actually this week here in Texas. It's crazy how it's different. You know, I'm assuming southern states get spring break earlier than northern states because of the cold weather. But it's pretty cool, man. You enjoying this part, this stage of their life? You know, oh, this yeah. part of the growing up? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's awesome because like the little things, the little things that we do, like kind of mean so much to them. Like, you know, like. For example, we were just talking about eating donuts in the back of the truck. And we there's this little local donut shop that's real big around here in, in the Dayton, Ohio area. And, um, you know, they love this place. They wave and say hi to Bill's Donuts when we drive by on their way to school. 
And um, so on Sunday when I had them, we uh, I said, you guys want to go get bills? And we we're sitting there and you can't eat inside right now. They still have the dining area kind of shut down. So I was like, how about we go sit in the back of the truck and eat donuts and their eyes lit up, you know, and, and they're just, they're having the time of their lives. And it's like 15 minutes, you know, 15 minutes, just sit there eating our donuts real quick and sitting in the back of the truck in the parking lot. And um, they love it, you know, and it's just simple things like that. That's, you know, that you can see how much they enjoy it. And it's just something different and it doesn't take much to entertain them. And, you know, it's just, it's a fun time you know, everything's really cool to them. It doesn't matter how small it is. So that's a good place to be. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Josh is here because, um, we're actually my special guest canceled. So Josh was kind enough to come up to the show and help me out. Um, and I've been meaning to get Josh on my show, but actually dark waters, Josh Smith got you there. Like the week that I was going to say, Hey, let me get Josh in here. Josh, <laughs> Josh, you know, Josh elders, trash bandit in here. I saw that Josh posted, you just recorded with him. I'm like, I hate doing that. I hate doing back to back episodes. Yeah. Um, you know, when somebody else just, you know, had you, I don't think it's fair for either podcast, but I um, mean, thank you for coming up to the show and helping me out. Um, we were looking to see what we were going to talk about. We had a couple ideas, but um, as most of you know, my podcast does a lot with life stories. You know, we have different podcasts on Paddle and Fin, product reviews, techniques, and stuff like that. I usually like a good life story and how that relates to kayak fishing. So while we were talking, you brought it up, Josh, um, that, you know, you've had a very interesting life and a lot of it, you know, you have to struggle with a whole lot of stuff that not everybody has to struggle with. And those that have don't necessarily come out the other end as well as you have. So, you know, why don't you tell us about it? First of all, tell us about you, Josh, you know, how do you got, what do you do for a living? What do you got in kayak fishing? And then we'll get into meat and potatoes of, you know, how you got to where you are right now. Yeah. Uh, currently right now I am, well, I'm 41 and recently divorced, which is kind of sad, you know, you guys have all heard, had to hear me complain through paddle and Finn cause we're all like a big family, but yes, we I have are. two, two kids, um, ages five and three, there'll be six and four here in a couple months. And, um, last year I lost a job that I had in the steel industry and kind of quickly just try to find something. Um, and right now I'm le- working in like the lawn treatment um, industry as a route manager. And, um, it's an all right job. You know, it's, um, it's pretty slow over the winter time. I got to help do winter maintenance and work on trucks and stuff. Cause I have a somewhat of a mechanical background a little bit, not a lot, but enough to, you know, help out and do stuff, uh, over the winter time. So I was grateful for that. I didn't have to do any kind of unemployment stuff, but anyways, that's what I'm doing right now as far as work, you know, work, uh, related type of situation, but, um, but yeah, you and I were talking and I was like, well, you know that I've been, you know, sober in recovery for 12 years. Um, you know, I'm an alcoholic drug addict, whatever you want to call me. Um, back in my using days, I didn't discriminate. I, uh, used drugs and drank profusely for quite some time. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's been a long journey. Um, it's been quite, I don't know. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like where you see 
the complete 180 degree turn that you can do in the way you are as a person. But what's kind of messed up though, is sometimes there is the same behaviors that always stick around. And it's kind of the, um, the, the key, in my opinion, to getting sober is just to accept the fact that you're an addict and you can't do anything about it. Um, I've had multiple discussions with people in regards to, you know, they want to say it's a choice. It's not a disease, but I don't know. I, I don't, I'm a big believer in the disease aspect of it. And there's certain reasons why. And I think there's a choice to it as well. Um, so I don't really like to argue with people about it. Um, it is, it's their opinion and opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one, right? So who cares? It doesn't matter. The whole goal in my life is to, if anybody ever wants to talk to me about it, um, and they need to bounce some ideas about how to stay sober or what I did to get sober, you know, I'm always here to talk. So reach out, you know, but I don't know, like you want me to go through like a, a whole history? You want me to tell you the story? <laughs> well, what, whatever you feel comfortable with, I guess um, if I'm going to ask the questions, I guess I would say, you know, what drove you into those habits? You know, was it yeah. was it some type of tragic event in your life, just mixing or just hanging out with the wrong crowd? What was it that drove you to that? Well, because I'm a firm believer that this is kind of a disease. Alcoholism is hereditary. Um, nine times out of 10, if you come from a drugs and alcohol filled family, you are probably going to be in, involved in that as well. Um, so I, uh, my, uh, family, you know, specifically on my father's side has been insanely destroyed by alcoholism and drug addiction. And, um, you know, I, I think I was probably, 13. Well, I was really young, if, if I remember correctly, really, really young and probably grade school when I drank my first beer. And I didn't get drunk or anything. I would steal beer out of my uh, stepdad's refrigerator. And um, he was the kind of guy who had the refrigerator in his garage. And it was completely full of cheap ass old beer. And I would just, I, I never understood it. You know what I mean? It's like, I mean, cases and cases upon beer, and I didn't know what it really was. I knew what it's called beer, but I didn't know why anybody drank it or what. And I remember I would steal one every once in a while to try to figure out what the hype was about. Um, and uh, it was gross. You know, I always remember it being real nasty and being like, I don't understand why, you know, why, why do people drink this? But fast forward to about age 13, 14, 15, in that range somewhere. Um, a friend of mine, we would we would go get uh, 40 ounces of Bud Light and we'd go sit there and drink at the park because, you know, that was a cool thing to do. You're a teenager and you're experimenting and stuff or whatever. But eventually I started smoking pot and that kind of became my uh, my thing was smoking pot in high school. I did really well in high school, graduated, got accepted to the college I wanted to go to and um did really good while I was in high school. So I actually got some scholarships and grants and stuff. So, but I chose a school in Ohio that's totally known for a party atmosphere. And, um, 
And I went there and literally I failed out of college within a year and a half. And all I did was drink and get high and experiment with drugs. And I rarely went to school. And when I look back at what it, what, what kind of fueled for me to be that way, and this is different for everybody, you know, everybody's got their different reasons. I had a lot of traumatic shit back when I was a kid that happened to me. I don't really want to go into a lot of this stuff. Um, there's a lot of violence in my childhood and a lot of, you know, some other bad things that occurred, but that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily what I don't think drove me to drink or, you know, to be an addict. Um, the simple feeling of not being good enough was what did. And what I mean by that is I chased I chased what alcohol gave to me, which was new friends and a sense of notoriety in a way like, you know, like being a party guy and a, a, a fun person to hang around with. And, you know, that sort of thing. Um, we I grew up, you know, we grew up sort of poor. So like, you know, I didn't have the nice clothes. I didn't have a nice car. I didn't have, you know, a lot of nice stuff. Um, and when I say nice, I had stuff, you know, it was just me not really being grateful for what I actually had. I just didn't have the cool shit, you know, the cool stuff that made the girls like these guys or whatever, you know. And um, so when I went off to school and, you know, basically part of my senior year, it became all about the party and about how many people I can meet, who I can hang out with and, and that sort of thing. And it was kind of funny. That was like my whole goal seemed to be in college. And I ended up getting kicked out almost instantaneously, basically for bad grades and came back home and I didn't skip a beat, man. It was just, I, I fell into it. I fell into the lifestyle of it and just continued to do it. And when I hit, when I turned 21, man, I would, I'd be in the bar like six or seven times a week, you know, almost virtually every day. And it was literally just to have a good time. That's what I chased down was having fun and meeting new people. Um, because I think I was so uncomfortable with who I was as a person that that was somehow going to reinforce that I'm a good person or fun to be around or whatever. But, um, you know, it, it took a long, it, I think, you know, I mean, I spent up until I was 28 in that hole and I experimented and got addicted to different drugs. And it didn't matter like what I picked up. Like it was like instantaneously, like I used it like I'd been addicted to it for years. Um, you know, like whether it was like eating XC or doing cocaine or whatever stupid drug choices I choose to do or went out to the bars. It didn't matter. I just, I took it to the full extreme just about every single time. It was rare for me to drink just to catch a buzz and, you know, go home and be okay. And, um, I lost multiple jobs, relationships, um, you know, the places I'd moved into either got kicked out or get evicted or, you know, um, I just, I smashed everything basically that was ever good in my life. And, you know, it got to a point when I was about 28 and I am living in a buddy's house and starting it like my depression's getting real, real bad and I'm not drinking as much and I've kind of actually laid off of doing drugs. 
just smoking pot occasionally. But I was just, when I would drink, I would black out for like 30 minutes in the middle of the night or like 15 minutes. And usually, you know, like when you drink, you kind of would black out at the end of the night. You might not remember the last hour or whatever. This is really weird is I would like remember stuff leading up to a certain point and stuff leading up after that point. And during that, there was some crazy shit that was happening, you know, every single time. And that kind of scared me. And then one night I had a really bad argument with the girl that I was dating and I almost committed suicide. Uh, and it all happened during a blackout and I remember stuff leading up to it and remember stuff afterwards, but I don't remember a fr- luckily a friend of mine called me and asked me what I was doing and I told him, but I don't remember the conversation with him at all. I don't remember ever talking to him, but he came back and basically talked me down and, um, you know, I just kind of realized at that point and it was a friend of mine, Aaron, she said something to me. And, um, while kind of everybody else was pissed off at me, um, like I was trying to do this shit for attention. I really wasn't, you know, I don't even remember really having the conversation or even a thought of it. And, but she just looked at me and she's like, I love you, Josh. I don't want to see you die. And, you know, it kind of touched me cause it was like the, the one person out of that entire group, uh, say, said something that just kind of made me, it's made something click in my head. Like I, I need to get help you know? And, um, I reached out to some friends and they got me in touch with a treatment center. And luckily the treatment center was like one of those public kind of ones that, um, you know, the, the County or the state gives money to, to bring people in who don't have like a steady source of income that can't afford to get, you know, uh, therapy and treatment and that sort of thing that it's paid for wasn't luxurious by any means. I wasn't sitting in a spa. In fact, I was sitting up in this old hospital. Like it was an old, you know, wing of the hot, like this hospital that was no longer in business. They'd broken it into like some doctor's offices and that sort of thing. And this one floor was a treatment center and uh, it was awful ass food. It was food that they feed the guys in county jail. (laughs) It was funny that I knew it because I was like, I've been to county jail. Right. And I'm like, I know exactly this food. Like, (laughs) and they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's coming over from the County jail. It's in the same trays and everything. You know, I was like, you notice how your food's floating in water. That's because they don't dry these things off after they wash them and just (laughs) bunch of stacked wet plastic things. They throw some nasty chili or soup in, and it doesn't even mix together. It's just floating on water. It's so nasty, but, and it's hilarious. Like me and my buddy, Chris, who I met in the program, we both are, uh, we're both addicted, um, to Frank's red hot because the food oh, sucks yeah. so bad that we dumped Frank Frank's red hot on everything, man. Like eggs, soup, like you name it, dude. It got Frank's like red that hot. little lady in the commercials. <laughs> yeah. Put that on everything. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I got sober, man. And when I did it, I was just, I was done. You know, um, I had hit a rock bottom with inside my head. The scary thing is with addiction, not everybody's is like that. Um, some people's rock bottom is death. Unfortunately, they just don't ever get it. They never get to that point where they realize they need to make a change or they're going, they are going to die. Um, so when I went into treatment, I went balls to the wall. I was like, I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do. I'm going to keep my head down. I'm going to write, I'm going to read, I'm going to do whatever the hell they need me to do. And 
you know, this is what I, I need to do for if I want to stay alive. I mean, because I had plenty of brushes with the law. Um, I've been with people who died. Um, I'm sure that I've gotten probably close to dying. I, you know, I never had an overdose situation. I didn't use drugs really that I could overdose necessarily really easily on. But there are some times that I've been up for like a long time and swore to God I was going to have a, you know, a heart attack at some point, you know, or something weird. But, um, but I made a change, man. And it was just, um, this, like I said, it was like a life or death situation. I just kind of, the way I saw myself in depression and how alcohol made it worse and much, much worse, you know, like, and it, and what was weird is it was completely masked, you know, like I didn't come across as a depressed person. Um, you know, like as I was talking about before, I, I try to make myself be like a life of the party, a mm -hmm. good person, a fun person to be around funny, you know, like you'd, you'd enjoy my company. If we were having beers together, we cut it up, go have fun, play some pool, whatever it is, you know, but you know, inside, I couldn't stand myself. I hated myself. I hated where I was at in my life. I hated that I failed out of school. I hated the shit that happened to me as a kid. You know what I mean? As, as a, a child that I had to witness. And, um, I just, it, you know, and I, and I kind of wore that stuff on my sleeve, but I didn't really ever talk about it. I never got therapy or dealt with it in a healthy manner. And it was just always bubbling under the surface, you know? And so once I started doing the work, man, in the treatment center, I got involved with afterwards with groups like AA and NA and, you know, did the 12 steps and made amends and try to fix relationships where I could. And, you know, that was 12 years ago and, you know, life's been much, much, much better, you know? Um, and, uh, but you know, it's, it's crazy though, man. Cause I still have the same behaviors. It's, it's, it's wild like how if you have a truly addictive personality, the shit doesn't go away, man, like at all. And, and I'm a proof of it just within the fishing game, right? Like I, I started fishing and I got into it, man, and then I got way into it. And it's like now I'm kayak fishing. I'm part of a podcast. I talk about it all the time. You know what I mean? It's just it's 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 a, the same exact behavior. Now I just apply it to something that's not going to destroy my life. You know, yeah. Um, and um, I mean, I've had times where I started to work out and get into the gym and then I'm like, why am I so involved in this? Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm reading about taking supplements and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, not even like a gym rat, but like every time I kind of like something and it kind of takes me out of like, I guess, real life, if you want to call it for a second, like I take it to an extreme and it's um, it's just kind of a good thing that I can identify that behavior and know that it's always there and learn to just use it in a positive manner instead of doing the negative shit that I used to do, you know, but, um, you know, it's been, it's been quite a journey, you know, everything was gone and going good last year sucked. Um, I'd been married for six years and ended up getting a divorce already, but I was grateful that I was able to, get out of, of the situation clean with not having a big, huge custody battle or anything weird like that. Like I have my kids, 
half the time in a shared parenting situation. I'm super grateful for that. It sucks because I don't get to see him every day, you know, and, um, but you know, it's, it is what it is. And I just, you know, I got to keep moving forward and keep my head on straight and realize that, you know, I can't fall back into my old ways because it's literally just going to make it everything a thousand times worse. So. Yeah, I think, well, going back to what you said, whether it's an addiction, it's a choice, a disease, I think unless you have gone through it, I don't think, you know, people should say, like, I can't just say, hey, I think it's an addiction, because I haven't gone through it. Right. It's just, I mean, that's that's something that is, unless you've gone through it, I can say, I can respect your opinion yeah. about it. Um, if you haven't gone through it, then you really just have a opinion without really any full knowledge of what the situation is. And even if you did, I think it's it's different in every person because everybody's wired differently. I remember I had Rob Pagano um, and he talked about kind of like being sober, but for him, it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't like that chemical, um, you know, uh, that he addiction to the chemicals of alcohol. Yeah. Um, it was more like being around it and being in the crowd and stuff like that. So for him, it was easy. It's just flipping the switch. That's not the same for everybody. There's people that are chemically, um, their bodies just, you know, um, accustomed to that. And when that chemical is no longer there, it create it, you know, it, it short circuits the whole, you know, the whole system kind of, kind yeah. of and again, I'm, I'm kind of talking lean's terms because I'm not I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a doctor or anything like that. So I know if, if I'm dumbing it down too much, it's because I'm dumb when it comes to that. But then there's the people that it's just addiction to the lifestyle, you know, yeah. that comes with the lifestyle, you know. Um, so they're addicted to the lifestyle, you know, like maybe a psychological dependency to be uh, where where the crowd is and to be the life of the party. I find it interesting that when you talked about that, you want it to be the life of the party. And I, and when you look at it, some of the best entertainers and comedians out there, like Robin Williams, do suffer from addiction and depression for their longest life. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's I guess it's what makes them so funny, just brings out that in them. I don't, you know, and I, again, I don't know what it is about it, Um but I do notice, like, Robin Williams, unfortunately, committed suicide. Then you have the guys like Dave Chappelle, who's recovered from it or recovering from it. I don't know what, exactly where he stands right now, but apparently he is recovered from it. You know, you see the different spectrums of it yeah. um, and how it affects people's lives. So everybody's wired differently. You yeah. can't just say that this applies to one person. It's going to apply across the board because everybody got into the habit for a different reason, mm-hmm. um, you know, for the most part. How does it? How hard was it for you in in? And I'm sorry if I, if if I'm asking you a question that you know takes you someplace where you don't want to be. And if that's the case, feel free to tell me you don't want to talk oh, about you're, it. You're fine. But how hard hard was it for you? You know the divorce and holding yourself back from dropping into that old habit. Um, you know it was hard a couple times. You know there was a couple couple days that. You know, where I was just frustrated with the situation and, um, you know, I thought about it. Uh, one night was uh, you know, when I got off work, you know, and I was like, man, a beer sounds nice, man. I just kind of want to chill and relax a little bit, man. I just don't want to think. I don't want to think anymore. 
Um, you know, like my mind is just constantly racing of just the negativity and the shit that's going on with this divorce and not seeing my kids. And I just wanted to be numb. I just didn't want to feel anything. And, you know, I, luckily I just, I snapped out of it and I was like, I can't do it, man. I, I just did. So <laughs> something that's funny. I know how much guilt I would have had in that situation. The reason I know how much guilt that I have, and this goes for a lot of people who are in addiction and you have something called using dreams when you get sober. Mm -hmm. Okay. I haven't had one in probably a while and they're usually more frequent when you first get sober. But there was times in my early sobriety where I would have a dream about going out and drinking or using drugs or some shit like that. Right. And the sheer guilt and panic that I would feel in a dream was so abundant that I would wake up and feel like it was real. Like, and I'm, I'm not shitting you, man. Like I would be like, Oh my God, I've got to start apologizing. I don't even like, I just screwed up like three years of sobriety. You know what I mean? Like how, yeah. what, over what? And I'm trying to figure out the situation I'm laying there. And then I realized I'm like, dude, I'm in bed. Like none of that happened. Like, and, but the way that I felt, um, I'm glad that I had those dreams like that because those dreams have kind of saved me in a couple of occasions where I thought maybe, maybe I should try to go out and drink a little, you know, maybe okay, this, this is too hard to deal with, you know, this, this, the divorce stuff, not having my kids around, um, you know, my job situation is COVID crap, you know, like, but then I'm like, no, 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 dude, the guilt and the shame that I felt during those dreams was so extreme. Like it literally, Armando, I'd wake up sick to my stomach, dude, like on the verge of throwing up because of how much shock I had, like that I did that. And so those dreams don't happen as frequently now, but I just always try to remember that, man. I try to keep it. I keep, I try to keep my past fresh in my head. I don't want to, I don't regret it. Okay. I don't regret what happened to me. It sucks. That's the life I lived, but it's an experience. It's made me grow into be a, a stronger person. Um, getting sober actually made me more uh, of an open person too. Like I'm not as shy now. Uh, I don't know if it's because I've done like lead meetings and stuff and I've talked to in, in front of a group of people, but I used to be really, really shy where I, I couldn't really just talk to people as easy as I can now. But, um, you know, it's, and you, you were talking about like the physical addiction part of this stuff. You know, I'm a big believer that if you're, you, you do train your body. If you're taking a certain chemical or whether, whether it's food, it doesn't matter, but, um, your body gets accustomed to it. So, you know, if you try to withdraw off alcohol and you're a really severe alcoholic, it can kill you. You have to do it under medical care. There's only a couple things that are actually like that, but, um, for the most part, you can get really sick from it. Um, but I don't think that, I think alcoholism and drug addiction is more of a mental disease than I do of, of a physical kind of disease. I think though, what they define it as is an allergy. You have an allergy, it's all definition of an allergy is an abnormal reaction. So the way you drink, Armando, you can have a drink and what that alcohol does in your body is completely different than what it does mm -hmm. in my body. In my body, I have an instant freaking craving for it. Like from the day that I started drinking, I craved craved it for some reason. I have no idea why. Um, 
So if when I would drink, it would just be like, I need to keep going. I don't know why. Like why if it's this weird, unfulfilled feeling that you just keep chasing. And um, you know, but to kind of circle back to what you were talking about in regards to like somebody who comes off of it or whatever, it's just that's usually just gonna be years of using a certain chemical in your body learns to adapt to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that can happen with anything, whether you're an addict or not, yep. you can start taking a certain prescription medication and you have to be weaned off of it because you can, your body can have an adverse effect of it. It doesn't have to be necessarily an addiction, you know, but that's very true. So what going back kind of full circle, how does kayak fishing play into all this? And I know you touched on it a little bit, how you like, you know, you were, completely emerging kayak fishing yeah did kayak fishing in ways kind of keep you distracted or busy in a way that you know helps you avoid um negative thoughts or anything like that or it's just or or does does it play at all into that or it's just something that you love doing that has nothing to do with what your past has gotcha. yeah i mean it's it's just like um, it's just my release. It's my kind of escape from reality. Um, it's it's basically a drug. It's tr- you know, it's um, it makes me feel good. I have a lot of fun doing it. And I got into kayak fishing. Um, I had started fishing years and years, about eight or nine years ago again. And I've always been a really outdoorsy kind of person. I like camping and backpacking. I rode dirt bikes. I, I just try to hang out as, outside as much as I can. And a friend of mine introduced me to wade fishing in the rivers for smallmouth. And my first trip out, I caught a nice one and it's kind of hooked right then and there. And the way I was experiencing it was that it was simple. I throw on a backpack, grab a rod, go put on some old shoes, some swim trunks and go jump in that river and hike up it. And I like hiking. So it was like, it's beautiful scenery. It's for me being in nature is where I get closest to God. You know what I mean? Where I get, closest to what I believe in God. And so I spent as much time as I can out there. You know, I got into kayak fishing though, just through some fishing forums and saw these guys that were doing overnight trips and that sort of thing. And I was like, wow, you know, and they're catching these awesome fish and they're like, Hey dude, you need to get, you should try getting a kayak. Cause it takes you away from the public areas where everybody else is. Mm-hmm. So eventually, you know, the X and I got picked up some Jackson's and I fell in love with it, man. It was great. Um, I got better as an angler because of it. Cause I got to hit different types of water, you know, and got involved in the community a little bit and you know, it's, um, but yeah, it's just, it's simply just, it's kind of my release, man. It's, it's my alcohol. It's my way of relaxing, you know, if I've had a stressful week to get out and fish and get more stressed out because I catch fish. <laughs> it makes no sense at all. But <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but yeah, I say it's my release, but you know, I don't know. It's um I have a good time doing it. And the more I've gotten involved, especially with the podcast, the more people I've gotten, you know, to meet just like I used to and partying, you know, that sort of thing. It's just it's a different way of doing things that in a way are the kind of the same. I guess it's weird. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you're saying, man. And especially that part about like, it says, oh, it's so relaxing. It is. Kayak fishing is so relaxing. But then at the same time, it's like, 
Yeah, it can be very stressful where you're getting a few hours there, four or five hours into it, and you're like, I haven't got, I haven't had a single bite, man. I don't know what the heck. Then it yeah. doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't. It's not as stress free yeah. as you would think. You know, you have to put in the in the right mindset. You know, I guess to yeah. me, I always try to think. Well, you know, you know, as much as I would like to go catch a fish every time I go out there, it's. I try to put my mindset is like, you know, catching fish is a bonus and kind of is you really out there. I mean, to me, I'm out there to just enjoy nature and there's a lot of cool stuff you see, uh, especially here in Texas, you know, even on a city lake, so many urban wildlife here in Texas. It's crazy, especially for me coming from Puerto Rico, where we have little frogs that we call cookie and that's about it. Maybe uh, uh, green iguanas, but that's as wild as it's going to get out in the water. And here you see like Lake Fork. I was Lake Fork. I saw what the locals were saying. It was 14 foot alligator. And I believed them because it looked like a 14 foot alligator. You see beavers, you see nutrias, you see bobcats, you see wild hogs, you see deer, you see eagles, hawks. It's just pretty cool just to be out yeah. there. I wish I would see more bass, then, but that's, right. that's the last thing I see. <laughs> and you know, like while, and the other thing is though, is like you can kayak fish, right? And, and because I'm sober now, I don't have that instant gratification type of mindset yeah. that now when I go, as I look through like my history of doing it, I can see the improvement back in my old lifestyle like that. I never saw that because I, all I did was keep, clouding myself with drugs and alcohol i never could look at a big picture of anything and now that i've been sober for some time something like kayak fishing i can see my progression and be proud of it you know i may not dude i don't care that i'm not the best angler i'm not this tournament angler i don't i give two shits about it right like i don't do it for that reason it's fun to do it occasionally but when i start competing man i start getting that's where i start getting stressed out yeah um and so I, I'll dabble in it, but I don't think that I'll ever get to be one of those people who has to go, you know, travel and go do the Hobie BOS series or the KBF series. I might go do a, one or two tournaments, you know, for fun, but the way I react in it is not really super healthy for me. You know, I, I'm like, I don't, I start to lose sight of why I'm actually out there and it's not to be gaining any kind of notoriety or winning some money or anything like that. I'm out there really strictly to try to have fun, have a good time with my friends. And when I compete like that, sometimes I lose focus of that. So I try not to, I just don't want to stress, get stressed out about it, bring anybody down, you know, but yeah, it's kind of crazy. To me, like I do like this year, like last year I started doing slay nation because more grassroots and I want to keep my feet wet and kind of get the feel what competitive nature of kayak fishing is, you know, because it's different. It's not a contact sport. It's not like playing football, basketball, or baseball. So it was interesting. And now this year, it's like, well, I'm doing a little bit of bass, a little bit of whole BBOS, a little bit of KBF, and a lot of uh, local trails. And to me, it's realistic expectation. Am I going to go over there and blow away the competition? No, not really, because I've only been fishing for like five, bass fishing for like five years, and kayak fishing, which is a different monster. Um, I've only done it for three years. So how can I yeah. go over there and expect that I'm going to uh, day in, day out, beat people like Russ Snyder, you know, mm-hmm. done this all his life, you know, um, and other guys that grew up, you know, in that culture. You know, I go come from a, a tropical island where bass fishing was non-existent when I was young, when I, you know, I was young, more it's more like surfing and stuff like that. 
to yeah. over here with with the bass fishing culture is rich um and you're not just gonna come here and dominate because it's 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 not something that's dependent on skills or athletic ability it's more on knowledge and instinct um so to me it's like yeah i'm not i'm probably may not win anything you know like i've won big bass um a couple of times and that's pretty cool um but it's more like you know i just want to surround myself with some of the great ones and pick their brains you know in bass you know i got yeah. to talk to russ Snyder a little bit um and other great anglers out there that i was like you know kind of pick their brain you know hey what do you think about this what do you think about that i learned a lot about bed fishing so to mm-hmm. me that's about it would i love to make some money sure it'll help me build the uh, pay the, <laughs> the the attorney fees and you know not have my wife give me that skull look, you know, <laughs> when she sees the account, you know, makes her happy if I get a little money coming back to it. But it's all about how you, you know, how you see it. Obviously, I'm not at the level of like a Russ Snyder where it's like, yeah, you kind of expect that you're going to be in the money every time or at least you that's your expectation. Right. And you're that good at it, you know, and when you're so invested in it, you know, you got big sponsorship companies you know, I say that within the kayak fishing industry um, and, and you're spending so much on traveling and all that and equipment. So, yeah, that's I guess that's that's pretty much it when it comes to tournament fishing. Now, uh, let's have some fun, man. All right. Bring this this. this this to, uh, you know, um, more of a joyful you know, segment. But I do. Sorry, sorry, sorry for making everybody. <laughs> no. Sad. No, 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 no. I love like my, my, and I, I know I kind of sound like a D-bag just, just when I said that I realized now. And what I meant to say is, you know, my, my podcast is more about life stories. So I love that yeah. you were open about this and all that. Um, so I want you to bring, finish this with also like a, like a high note. So let's have some fun here. Right. Um, let ask you a couple of uh, kayak fishing questions. Some of them might be goofy questions. Some of them are more serious questions, but we'll have fun with it. First of all, what is your favorite snack when you're out there kayak fishing? So something simple. Uh, nothing. I usually don't eat on the water. No, nothing? Not even yeah. a sponge? Very rarely do I carry food, and it's usually I steal shit from somebody else. <laughs> how long do you fish, though? For how many hours? Oh, dude, I'll go for 10 hours on the water, man. I don't mess around. Sometimes, really? dude, I've done all-nighters and been – I've thrown up, like, at tournaments because I was – no, I wasn't eating. I was um, like, you know, having heat stroke. I tried to go eat pizza and got sick. And uh, yeah, my main thing uh, is when I get out there, I will occasionally take like not a protein bar, but like cliff bars or something weird like that. Yeah. Um, I just I don't do well being out in heat and having like a full stomach. So because I actually have motion sickness. <laughs> <laughs> really? yes dude i have motion sickness real bad so if i get on a lake and it's choppy i'm usually suffering super super bad during it i have to take dramamine and everything to to try to combat it like um so usually my thing is like the least amount that i can have in my stomach the more comfortable i'll feel about throwing up overboard later on so <laughs> usually though i will have tons of water like i will carry a gallon yeah. of water easily so yeah, that's the biggest challenge to me because I don't get hungry. I'm so excited and so focused on trying to catch fish that I don't get hungry. I always bring a snack because I don't want to pass out. Um, 
I lo- I like to get the PB and G sandwich. You know, get yeah. they get those carbs and those proteins in there. Just make sure I don't pass out, especially on summer. I mean, I've I can't eaten- just go for two hours. What? Yeah, I've eaten. I've had like like me and Mike when we were up at Dale Hollow last year for the paddle and fin meetup. He he was hungry and he ran and got food and brought it back. And I was like, yeah, I'll eat then. But like, I don't think I had to pack anything yeah. except for water. Literally, that's the only thing I'll make sure that I have normally. Sometimes I will, but. So I can't say I have a favorite snack by any means. It's my snack is water, basically. <laughs> I get so, usually two liters of uh, Gatorade, yeah. which is because I want to be hydrated, especially in Texas. But the like, I'll be kayak fishing. And I have to find a place to pee like three or four times. <laughs> you just gotta learn the one knee pee into the bottle, bro. <laughs> <laughs> gotta shield it, shield it from the world, and pee in the bottle. Yeah. I'm going to make something for all of us one of these days. You'll see. I have this great idea. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it later. It's going to it's going to have to be a patent. Yeah. And sell it to Jack Gadgets because. <laughs> yeah, gadgets. <laughs> Peabody. <laughs> okay. If you could bring, if you can fish with somebody that's no longer with us, you know, whether it's a famous person or just somebody personally alive, who you would bring back just to fish one day? Kayak mm. one day or fish one day? Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, my friend Nick, man. Um, now I have no idea if Nick was into fishing or not, but Nick passed away um, when we were, when I was approximately in our mid-20s, I want to say, maybe early 20s. He's a good friend of mine from high school. And... You know, maybe and this wouldn't even, it's not like a really big fishing thing. It would just be to see him, you know? So, yeah, definitely Nick. Something, you know, share something you're passionate with. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what's the worst this can be happening moment that you've had in the water? The worst moment that I've had on the water. She's like, can't, this cannot be happening. As a story it has been told a thousand times, but it was a Cowan Lake meetup for Paddle and Finn. And Brian caught a bass from underneath my kayak. Like, oh, I heard I was story. struggling and struggling. He's like, watch this. And he called a shot and chucked the black and blue jig, like literally two inches below my elbow, hanging out of the kayak, splashed my arm and everything. And then he caught a bass within three feet. And um, that was the same tournament that I ended up getting sick at. Um, I got heat like heat exhaustion real bad. Oh yeah. And um, it came off the water. Thought it was a great idea to go eat some greasy uh, commissary pizza at the campground and ate the pizza, came out of there, threw up in their parking lot and then went passed out in the tent. That was 110 degrees for like two hours. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) That's crazy. That's probably the worst like experience I've had in regards to like, you know, kayak fishing and being out on the water. And I know Brian's such a jerk too. He reminds you of that. Like I mean, he loves it. He loves to tell that story. Before I started doing my podcast, um, I remember listening to you guys, and I remember that's one of the first podcasts I listened to. The one he reminds you of it. Then ever since then, it's like, man, he loves reminding him about this. <laughs> you know, doesn't he know that Josh is a recovering alcoholic? It's gonna send him <laughs> down, downward spiral. Yeah, I can see how that's upsetting. All right, have you ever been attacked by an animal in the water? I have Macassans, not. no, no, um, no stories in regards to that. Um, 
I mean, I've seen some super cool wildlife, um, you know, like, uh, river otters were really endangered around here and I've stumbled across them like in like wade fishing. I haven't seen them really so much, but they're making a comeback, but never been attacked. I almost stepped on a baby deer wade fishing once. Oh, wow. Like it was alive. It was hiding. And I almost just, I stepped back from the water and almost stepped on it, but never been attacked by anything yet. Knock on wood. Yeah. So, no try. I mean, cool. the, the angriest animal I come in contact with is a raccoon, and I am the trash panda. So, we're like oh, brethren. So, we get along. I just wink at them and they mosey on by. But they're like, What's up, buddy? They're like, Long time no see, dude. <laughs> so, so, why Why the nickname? Why trash panda? I forgot it's to ask from, that. It's from the meetup. And at the meetup, Brian and Jay stayed in a trailer. And we were at Cowan Lake and I had grown, we were at, I'd grown up going to this place throughout high school. And one of the things that we used to do, mind you, this is back in my drinking days too. We used to get hammered. And what we would do is we would coax all the wildlife out of the woods and then terrorize them like all the (laughs) raccoons and possums and everything. And so I know the amount of raccoons and possums that live in Cowan Lake is extensive, right? So when they were there, they made ribs and I was taking the rib bones and chucking up underneath their trailer so that the raccoons would get up underneath there and mess, you know, I just wanted to see if they would hear them and mess with them. Well, <laughs> the plan freaking backfired because where I set my tent up was like the main highway for every raccoon in that park. So they would come out of the woods, but my tent was so close to the edge of the wood line, like where the tall grass was, where they don't mow it. They would come and rub against my tent. And all night long, all I could hear was like raccoons coming in and out. And at one point we were all sitting outside and we looked over and the raccoon was like three feet from us. And Jay said something about trash pandas and I lost it laughing because I hadn't heard that term in years. And I thought about it. I'm like, it's just it's exactly what it is. It's, yeah. It looks like a baby panda, but it hangs out in garbage cans, you know. So I, it just became a big kind of joke. And then it stuck. And that's about it. Nothing too crazy. It was just it was kind of funny. Cool. That is pretty cool. So I've embraced it like, wow. you know, like I'm the paddle and fin mascot. <laughs> hey, if it works, man. All right, so what is the scariest sound you've heard like camping or fishing? You probably said it already, but um uh, dude, I've heard some weird like kind of screams in the woods before backpacking. Like Blair Witch Project uh, kind of thing? Uh I couldn't tell you. It didn't sound it just sounded like creepy, man. Like, you know, like high pitched, um, weird kind of screams, like you know, not like extended for extended period of time. It would just be like random. And there's been some places that have been, it's pretty, you know, remote where we've backpacked in for like, you know, for like a half a day or a full day. So we covered some ground to get away from people. But I mean, it could have been people, you know, it's not like I've ever went anywhere that remote, but you know, some weird hybrid. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've found stuff in the woods, but I don't, you know, I always chalk it up to somebody screwing around, you know, like, <laughs> you know, That's like weird, weird stuff that somebody made. It's hanging in a tree, kind of like Blair Witch looking stuff, you know, but 
Usually I'm, I'm somewhere when I find stuff like that, usually I'm somewhere where there's people frequently in that area, you know? That's actually my follow-up question. What have you found? What's the weirdest thing you found out camping? Or in the so I found, yeah, I found some like weird wooden dream catcher looking things that people have hung up in trees. Like um, for a long time, I kept seeing that. And this became like a, a thing. And this, I knew this was people, but I didn't know how detrimental it was. But the whole stacking of the rocks thing, I would come across that sometimes mm. in some weird places, but um, I never understood what it was. I knew it was just people doing it, but I was like, I don't understand why are they doing it? Um, and then I found out like, it's kind of detrimental to the wildlife, you know, in the creeks cause you're kind of messing with their home and their habitat. So, um, but yeah, that's about it. Nothing too crazy. Oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> this is two years ago, dude. I found in the same day I found like, this is just probably garbage, but I found like a doll head on the side of like a tree that was on the edge of the water. And then there was like a skeleton hand. Like it was small though, like a small, like plastic skeleton hand, like a Halloween kind of decoration, but it had like four zip ties, like bracelet looking things like extended that was hanging off of it. That was weird, but that's kind of weird. But uh, then again, I'm literally right next to a place that's known on the river. It's a kayak libraries right there. And they, um, this is one of the beach that beaches that everybody stops and gets out and drinks at. So. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty weird. (laughs) I'll send you a picture of it. I'll send you a video of it. I still have it. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You should have it here so we can share it on the (laughs) Um, describe your fishing skill in one word. Subpar. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of two word. Well, no, sub. Mediocre. Okay. Mediocre. All right. I'm, if, you know, I'm, I'm a def- decent fisherman, man. I, there's a lot of people say I don't give myself enough credit. Um, I just don't, I don't get to spend, since I had kids, I don't get to spend as much time on the water as, as a lot of my friends do that you know, that have kids that are grown or whatever and, or they're doing the tournament thing. So it's, it is what it is. You know, it it comes with the territory. I I'm a dad first, you know, and you know, and then, you know, that's, that's my main, main priority as they get older. I hope that they'll join me in the, you know, in the hobby. Um, I think they will. Zachary is like a little river rat. He loves to get out in the water. He loves to, get out there and stuff. I think he'll eventually get into fishing. He's, he's young enough that it's kind of hard to hold his attention with it. Um, but there's times where if it's active, he's having, he's having a good time. So, um, but that's expected from a six year old, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not the best, you know, by any means I'm not awful. I can, I can fish rivers pretty good, you know? I'm a good smallmouth guy in the rivers. Definitely not the best. There's guys locally that are a lot better, but you know, like I can hold my own there. There you go. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, if you can talk to a bass, if you can ask a bass one question, what would you ask him? Mm. Will you wear this GPS tracker? <laughs> 
I want to learn their behavior more. I want to know more seasonal information and like follow it. You know, That's pretty I, cool. I've, 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 I've read, I've read so much and watched so much that I'm like, I'm, it's the same thing every time. And for some reason it's just still sometimes just doesn't click when I'm on the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. GPS tracker would be awesome. <laughs> I was watching, I don't know, uh, a video, I can't remember, YouTube or something. It was more like a biologist approach to bass and how they chip uh, some bass in the lake and kind of figure out their behavior. And they were talking about how eating, well, I think it was fishing in the moment video. Mm -hmm. We're talking about how it's crazy, how, you know, it got from point A, point B in such a short time. I'm like, I'm thinking, you know, somebody caught that bass, put it in the life well, and then dropped it off, you know, <laughs> at the right. boat lab, right? Like, that's, that's to me, that's a logical explanation. Like, oh, yeah. we had one bass that did this. Yeah, somebody caught him and dropped him off. <laughs> yeah. That's what happened. But do you, you ever see, you've seen fish move in water, right? Like, when you yeah. scare them. And it's amazing how effortless it is. And I guess I get this. You would understand it in the lake. You already kind of have that understanding of it, but I never understood how effortless it really is until I saw fish swimming upstream against current. That's mm. what makes it just mesmerizing is when you scare a fish and it moves upstream to see how fast it actually moves. Like it's, it trips me out every time I see it, you know, like I'm like, dude, that thing is gone. It's there boom, and it's moved like 10, 15 yards in literally like yeah. a second and a half, you know? And, um, it's crazy. It's, it's, you think about it. Cause you're like, you've got the current. They're so streamlined that they are going against fo actual force. That's probably more, way more than what their, their body weight is. I mean, you think about it as a human, you're standing in a current of a, a river and how it wants to push you over. And this fish is able to just literally just jet right straight through it. You know, mm -hmm. it's crazy. It's great. I have a video um, on Instagram uh, about early uh, winter where I hooked on a big bass and I took like the hand out of the spool for one second to grab the net and bring it over. Literally less a second at the most. And in the video, you see the, you know, the, the rod bending in front of me, like it's probably a few yards in front of me. By the time I grabbed the net, um, put it on the front of me and grabbed the spool again. And again, a second at the most, maybe a second and a half. And when I started reeling in, it was already like 10 yards behind me. Like yeah. it's, it's crazy. How it's like, Holy crap. It wound up costing me the fish. And that's one of the things that I wanted to make on a little um, video for YouTube and Instagram TV of like, you know, avoiding, avoid losing the big fish. Cause I mean, it's crazy how, quickly they can move from one point to another a lot of times yeah. you don't realize it's because they're fighting against you yeah. well especially i don't know what it is about a chatterbait once you hook up on a chatterbait nine times out of ten and i'm just throwing numbers but just to say the majority of it they'll swim at you yeah uh instead of against you and uh i mean i don't care what reel you have you cannot <laughs> reel fast enough to catch up with them when they have it in their mind they're just gonna go straight at you so it's crazy yeah, I had a, a tournament that I did two years ago, and it was our early season tournament, and I struggled the whole tournament to catch any fish. And then went up into the creek area, and I hooked up with something that was big. I have no idea if it was a bass. I never saw it. But I felt the hit. 
I set the hook, felt the way of the fish, and then it went so fast at me, dude, that I could not ever catch up. And I didn't catch up with it until it was literally 10 to 15 yards behind me, just like you said. And it yeah. happened in like literally like a second and a half. Like, and you think about that, man, you're making a turn on your reel and it's supposedly picking up like 30 inches of line, just say yeah. for average, right? 30 inches of line, dude, that's over two feet. You know, you're almost pushing three feet of line and you're thinking that I cannot catch up with this thing reeling as fast as you can. Yeah. And dude, I mean, it was just like, zoom. I mean, I could see my, the line moving cause I was getting close, but I never got tension on it again, but I could see how fast it was moving as it was going past me. And I was just completely dumbfounded, you know? And I mean, and uh, you just think those are, those are slow fish compared to some of the stuff that's in the ocean. So yeah. <clears throat> like uh, tuna or GT. Yeah. All right, man. So I know you got another episode recording. Um, before I let you go, if you want to do some shameless plugins, tell us a little bit about your social media, your podcast. The next episode that's coming out Thursday, which I think it's going to be pretty cool with Brian Schuler, um, talking about Jack Gallet. So yeah, man, go yep. tell us a little bit about that. Can I let you? Yeah, well, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Kusa Josh. Um, and then my Facebook page is just Josh Eldridge, but, um, you know, uh, it's been a blast doing the final cast. We're going to do another yak gadget episode coming up this week on Thursday. Uh, Brian's got his hands on some new products. So we're going to be talking about that and, um, you know, feel free to follow us. And also everybody, the paddle and fin tournaments coming up, Oh yeah, the open in the clash of clubs. What is it? 9th, 10th, and 11th of April. And um, get signed up. Please get signed up. There is so much money that's going into this. It's 100%, over 100% payout. We've got three fully rigged, or three kayaks. I know a couple of them are fully rigged um, that are going to be given away as well. So not only are you going to win a ton of money for, you know, first and second place of the open, you're actually, first and second place are actually getting fully rigged new Kunu kayaks. So, and then um, the top bag out of the Clash of Clubs will win a kayak as well. So um, get signed up. It's coming up here soon. Stop being usual kayak fishermen and wait until the last minute. We all do it, but stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, go check it out. Clash of Clubs and the Open. That's good because a lot of the guys at the Clash of Clubs might go there pre-fishing. And now you have the option. It's not obligated, but you have the option of using your pre-fishing time to earn a few thousand dollars and get a new kayak fully loaded. So, and even if you don't use new canoe, then you can sell it. Do whatever you want with it. Give it to your friend, give it to your wife, whatever you want to do. So great opportunities to make lots of money that weekend. Um, So go check it out, man. Um, So Josh, thank you so much. Looking forward to your next episode Uh, again, coming out. Every Thursday morning, right? And this Thursday yep. is going to be new Jack Gadget products. Love Jack Gadget, not because we're sponsored by them, although we are sponsored by them. But honestly, that HD crate is amazing. Wow. I love that. So HD much easier. So much I, easier getting your stuff, isn't it? It really is. And I'm planning to do that. Um, I forgot what they call it, but that that shallow anchor on the back, the release. Oh yeah. Yep. Because I don't see the point in spending 
$500, $700 on something that's going to weigh so much and you can just push a button. I need to buy a battery just so I can go up and down. Nothing against, um, you know, those uh, autumn, yeah, and, uh, shallow anchor uh, electronics, but seriously, you don't need to spend that much money on something. It's $1,000. $1,000 total by the end of Yeah. Yes, so it can go up and down and can malfunction at any time. Nope, I can do without that one. I'll save it for the GPS finder, some fishing gear. So anyways, thank you all you for uh, sticking around. If you made it this far, we do appreciate it. Go check out my sponsors, Douglas Rock. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out their full lineup, locate your nearest dealer. And if you live in Texas, Fun and Sun Tackle is an authorized dealer for Douglas Rod. They have a brand um, new lineup at their store so fun and sun tackle here in the dallas fort worth metroplex so thank you everybody be safe thank you josh for coming to the show and sharing thanks your for story. having me buddy um it's it's an honor to have you and i really appreciate you coming back and so being so candid um, um my my goal with this is to have somebody out there listening that this could help them out or yeah. have them help out a, a friend um so thank you again love you all have a great time be safe on the water wear your pfds Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.